Welcome back to Yours, Mine, and the Truth. This is a podcast with me, Travis Woloshin, being joined by old friends to discuss the text of my youth and seeing how they stand up today. And today is a really, really special episode, and I can't wait to get to it. But first, I want to tell you all a little bit more about the Plum Podcast Network and some of the great shows we have on here, including Boom Goes the Dynamite, uh, Bustin' Balls, Through the Years, Days of Thunder, uh, Military Industrial Duplex, yeah, a whole bunch. Um, but also uh, my own uh, Gideon guys that I do with my buddy. Johnny Edgepath, where we look at DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Go um, episode recap, uh, which is uh, Johnny's favorite shows of all time. One that I am watching for the first time. And we are in the middle of uh, a good chunk, a good way into uh, season four right now. And it's really picking up and it's been really, really fun. Uh, So I recommend checking that out. Uh, Also, uh, I've mentioned it before and I'll continue to mention it again. Uh, Mystery Titans Theater that I do with the aforementioned Johnny Hedgepath and my buddy Kelly Nelson and a rotating uh, batch of guests. Uh, and we are in the middle of uh, well, what it is, is I, I think you should know by now. It's my show that we do live on Twitch every other Saturday where we watch old wrestling cards. And it's always a blast. It's always hilarious because we always have different guests and it's you know, a lot of great friends I've made through this. And we're in the middle of a really fun project called Who's Zoom and Who, in which we've been watching in chronological order some of these cards. Leading up, to, uh, it's like three months, the three months leading up to WrestleMania 3. So it's been really cool seeing those develop, but also, uh, yeah, weeding through the crap. The last one we just did was um, we were, Johnny and I were joined by Max Mitchell, my old podcast partner and um, friend of the show, Yours, Mind the Truth, as well as former guest and friend of the show, Zubin Sundar, to look at a January show from MSG. Hilarious. Again, we just laugh so hard. It brings it brings me happiness. I want you guys to check it out, and I hope it brings you happiness too. Okay, so that brings us to today. Today's up. This is the very first episode, Yours, Mind, the Truth, that we are calling the special episode, the special subsection of Yours, Mind, the Truth episodes, because there will be more to come, uh, called Staff. Picks. And why do we call it staff picks? Well, it's because when I first moved to Vancouver in 1998, my first job out here was at a blockbuster video with, uh, among some other friends that I've made, two of the dudes that we're going to have on here right now. One of them, you know him already, Brad McNeil. Uh, we talked Godzilla. We talked uh, movie soundtracks. He's a beloved guest. He always moves the needle, too. That's why I like having him on. Let's get big numbers. McNeil. Get that McNeil bump. But today we are joined for the first time. Another guy I worked with at that same blockbuster video that we will mention the same coordinates. And I did, did later work with him at uh, the Virgin Mega Store as well uh, in the video department. That is Scott McLeod. I am really excited to hear you guys talk with us or hear Scott talk with us because this guy is a fountain of information. As I said, uh, when I first met him, it was at that right time when I was just a real like sponge for film. And he uh, he refers to himself as a curator here, and that's what he always was for me, and that's great. Uh, and so we got some great discussion um, about uh, the film Wonder Boys, uh, starring uh, Michael Douglas and a great ensemble cast directed by the late, great Curtis Hansen. It's an awesome conversation we have here, guys. Now, but before I get to it, uh, we do want to have this disclaimer that... Uh, you know, then you'll see this comes up because this is a, a fairly progressive film for its time. It's not that long ago. It's, uh, it's 2000. Uh, this this film came out. 
but uh, we must uh, Scott mistakenly referred to the the author Michael Shabone of the source material the no- the, the the novel that the film was based on uh, as uh, homosexual. Uh, we looked closer, saw he was bisexual, and it turns out that he's that he's actually heterosexual, but he was in love with a man once and slept with another. It's just hard to keep up. So uh, we want to put that in front of like I I, I really don't think it affects conversation too much but if i didn't mention that disclaimer beforehand then none of us would have been happy uh with ourselves so that's there but i i I can't wait for you guys to get into this uh because this is really good stuff this is big boy pants time uh, from to steal a steal a coin a phrase that i use a lot in the uh in the other podcast um because this is uh a couple old friends uh old uh video jockeys i don't know what you call this video clerks what did like uh, people the the least acneed bunch in khakis and blue uh collared shirts of the bunch that's that was i said blockbuster video with the first episode of uh yours mine and the truth brad mcnee or brad my yours mine the truth staff picks the first episode of yours mine the truth staff picks this is brad mcneil scott mcleod and myself discussing 2000 curtis hansen film wonder boys enjoy everybody to yours mine and the truth you remember me my name is travis Walashin, and this is the very first of what i hope to be many of the of this very special episodes called staff picks and why are we calling it staff picks well it's because back in 1998 i started working at the blockbuster video it was it was really kind of my entrance into the biz as they say and uh, I met uh, a couple uh, people there, a few people who have like I've still remain in contact with, including uh, my two guests today. One of them, you guys know, he's he's uh, entered, he's the first to enter the elusive three timers club. One, two, three, you're great. Uh, I thought you'd remember the five timers club handshake. From I the, was, SNL but stretch. I was waiting for the fifth one. <laughs> and, uh, we're not there I'm yet. We're not there yet. Brad McNeil, everybody, comedian, improviser, really great guy, old friend. How you doing, Brad? Oh, so good. I'm two episodes away from my smoking jacket. That's I right, cannot that's right. wait. That's right. That's what We've started a, a GoFundMe because those are not cheap. And uh, joining us uh, as well, uh, what another one of my... These guys were both managers of mine at Blockbuster because I was a piece of shit. Uh, but please, wow, this is a, a really great guy. Really, a guy I know who I think I would call you this. I don't know if you've considered yourself this, Scott, but like one of the first film historians. I really uh, kind of met. This is uh, my buddy, Scott McLeod. Scott, how are you? I am doing great. You're a film historian. I, that's interesting. I mean, I, Has I anyone start... ever called you that? 
I, one of my better, yeah, another friend of mine says I'm a curator. Yeah. I'm sort of a keeper. I'm keeping, I'm like a librarian of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, well, that's 1998. I moved to to Vancouver, British Columbia in January. When did you got, well, Scott, what's your story in British Columbia? Tell me a bit of like, are you, you're, you're native to the, the province? Yeah. I was born yeah. in White Rock, uh, but I spent my formative years in Vancouver. Of course, I, I volunteered at the, from a teenager, I went to, uh, yeah, as soon as I was 15 or 16, I, we just took off, my friends and I driving into the Cinematheque. Uh, where I worked for a few years, um, and just yeah, Vancouver clubs, love affair, all the good stuff, and yeah, then, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm a Vancouver guy through and through. Right, and uh, so and we all started. Well, we started working together first at Blockbuster Video on on Oak Street Oak and Sixteenth. Oak and Sixteenth. What is yeah, it one now? Of the biggest, one of the biggest ones. I I I think it's just a, a bunch of condos. Usually, it's like I a, mean, that's a real Vancouver estate does. something. It's a real estate agency. Yeah, I kind of want to go in go. there and just like just like roll around. You know, <laughs> you guys mind if I <laughs> run if upstairs? The I, is full. I just need to go upstairs and slash some cases for some PlayStation <laughs> games for old time's sake. Yeah, let's we'll go in there and say, where's the viewer's best chips? Yeah, yeah Brad exactly. needs to fill his trunk up. Bacon and what? What were the? Because there was there was there smoky was bacon, smoky bacon, bacon blockbuster chips. Once they once they cross that uh, expiry date, nom 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 nom. Yeah, <laughs> just chow down. Like I, I, I still remember eat... Brad running out to his car just with boxes of expired chips, like yeah. it was like Christmas in July. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It, it meant two things: I didn't have to pay for dinner, and do not make plans the next day. Exactly, what I was going to say <laughs> you are going char- to we be might, busy. Our late, you think our late charges are bad? Oh. <laughs> No such thing as a free lunch, my friends. Yeah. So the reason, so I learned, uh, so uh, so yeah, yeah. And Brad is there. I'm out here. I've just finished my two years at, at theater school, and I'm out here trying to make it. And uh, and I'm meeting Brad. This is when you are right in the thick of the world-renowned Studio 58 at Langara College. Uh, also, yeah. an excellent theater program. A person I've met, I've met you. You you you. you you shook your, you nodded your head when I said that. It's very, very. I'm very just strong. laughing at the. It's also a renowned program, you know, like Red Deer's legendary program. I went to but, Red Deer College. I put Red Deer College over a couple times on this uh, uh, their program. I don't need to do that anymore. I enjoy, I had a great time. It was awesome. I learned a lot. They made a movie that showed your butt. That's right. Oh, that's a, that. Was that naked frailties? That's right. Of course, it's naked frailties. How many yeah. How many movies do you think he showed his ass? Is this, in? Are we talking about that movie today? Only that one that you know of. Yeah. Scene by scene, naked frailties. <laughs> We're gonna so, use the Roger Ebert what? plan that you could pause at any point to describe yes. the references made in Naked Frailties. <laughs> one perfect shot, Naked Frailties, <laughs> 1997. How can you tell a director has a, has poetry in their soul? Let's look at naked frailties. <laughs> All right. I'm like, okay. I want to slander <laughs> the fine people I worked with at that time. Um, uh, so, so yeah. But, uh, so, yeah. And we're, we're both all kind of jazzed. We all went to, uh, we went to a few movies together. I remember we sat in front row of Armageddon with uh, uh, mm-hmm. our friend uh, Mark Harrington and somebody else, I think. I think uh, Dan, Dan Wilson came with Dan, us. Danny Wilson. Um Anyways, uh, Scott and I went on to work later at the Virgin Mega Store. Um, uh, Brad went on to stardom, and and here we are. 
No, I, I, Brad but, was like, supposed I, to work at the Virgin Megastore, but you later admitted of like, oh yeah, they found out they didn't get your uh, the application you gave oh, me. Oh my gosh, shit. Unbelievable. That's rough. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back. I'm going to rectify that as soon going as I can. Going back in time. <laughs> I'm not going to change anything with the war. I'm not going to stop Chris Benoit from murdering his family. What I am going to do... Make sure Brad is able to put back some foreign movies. Make sure he has one. He has got that one. That one shelf where he can put his his favorites, including. I remember I had the jerk on 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 mine. I remember that. I remember okay. you stopped me from when we worked at Blockbuster. You stopped me from putting any Star Wars on there, which was a good choice, Brad. Yep. I, I thank you for that. Um, You're not and, blowing but, any minds with the Star Wars movie. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, really? I never heard of this one. Battle uh, for Andor. <laughs> So, but Brad or, or Scott, you are were a devotee to um, formats that uh, maybe had seen their day in the sun, or had maybe not uh, had potential. One of them was mini discs, and I will say, I what? I'm, I'm guessing just play, I just recorded a mini disc last week. Yeah, like I was going to ask, how many mini discs do you still have? About two hundred. Wow, and, do you and I've still... got three players. Wow, crazy! That's cool. The quality is amazing. I know. I remember uh, yeah. the sound being awesome. But the other thing, the big thing, uh, was you had a laserdisc player in 1998, yeah. and a ton, of, a great collection of laserdiscs. And I remember coming over to your place, and we would throw on. That's, that's the first time I ever saw Raging Bull. First time I ever saw Apocalypse Now. Really? But it's also like we watched and a whole bunch of other ones. I remember. Um, uh, great documentaries. Yeah, my first experience with this. Scott invited me over after work one day. Just a manager hanging out with a manager, no questions <laughs> asked. Yeah, and we watched it. The I gotta check the ex expiry date on those chips. Because I'm like, <laughs> hey, why'd you come over? Shh, shh, no questions asked. Let's yeah. check some chips Wait a together. Second. Wait a second. That's three days from now. <laughs> or is a month, year, year, month? Hey, if I don't know, it can't hurt me. Here we we complete ignorance. What what was the movie, Brad? We were uh, we it. did we did like alternating the commentary tracks on Boogie Nights, and then we did the entire commentary track of uh, Spinal Tap. Beautiful. Yeah, and that's the other thing I wanted to say is we watched so many audio commentaries together, including Boogie Nights, which is among the still the best one of the best audio commentaries, probably the only one I've listened to more than once. Um, well, that was always. Yeah. And that one has the four, like the right, the laser right. disc has all four in their entirety where the DVD alternates. <clears throat> and I still remember the uh the laser disc has is it called Hong or Spent or whatever? The uh the John Holmes uh, yes, right. uh, that, uh yeah, the Johnny Wad. Yeah, or, no, yeah, yeah, John Holmes, yeah, yeah. Well it has yeah. the actual John Holmes documentary. The, yeah, but the you 80s. can yeah, it's amazing. And it has um PT's commentary of that documentary where he actually points out like this is where i stole that scene yeah they for stole Boogie the Nights. props there was even yeah. like they, they got they recreated the sets like immaculately and the one thing i'll say with the laser disc that is really funny still to me like i still have them all they're all on display in our house like they're, they're so beautiful the packages but yeah you know you had the raging bull criterion raging bull laser disc we had to flip that like a record six times to get yeah. through. it was like you take a pee break Grab another beer. It was a perfect. It was it was really quite the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So it was like it was like I, I have to. I refer to is weird. I refer to that time as like a total education, uh, not just in in film and 
but also music, especially when we started working at Virgin. I've, I've said this with the with the past guests who uh, uh, you would know, Scott, that half the people we worked with were either uh, DJs or in bands. And about half of those pe- people were either incredible or awful. And there was nobody in between. <laughs> and so that was a huge education too. But just also, I was like, I was like, like I was learning about films I, I wasn't seeing, I'd never seen before, like the ones that you you would have been uh, airing at Cinematech or Cinematech, Cinematech would have been playing at the time and um, just getting way into it, right? I was really absorbing just about everything I could. Um, uh, we'll get into like the, the collection of, uh, we mentioned Criterion Collection earlier and we'll get into that I think as we talk, but I want to get, we'll get it, let's get into what the, the, the choice of film, the staff pick today. Which which perplexed the hell out of Brad McNeil. Brad's shaking his head already. Um, and that's the 2000 Curtis Hansen film Wonder Boys, uh, directed by Steve Close, an adaptation from the the novel by Michael Chabon. Now, um, Brad, had you seen this before? I had not. Okay. Uh, wow. Well, I had I had definitely seen. It. I remember loving it. I owned the DVD. That's why I was able to just uh, go uh, dig it out. Um, I remember, if, if, forgive me if I'm wrong, and this is what I wanted, I knew we'd, this would come up, uh, Scott, is it, it came in one of those, it was a half plastic, half cardboard uh, uh, jobby, if, if memory serves. I, I, I could be wrong. Well, it was, it was, we it was an, I, the one, the DVD I have is a simple slip sleeve, but it was okay. back when they were cutting out some of it to try and save plastic. It's, right. it's a flimsy, it's a flimsy package for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then the, the Blu-ray is also very flimsy. Like no one, there's been no thought or care. I was, it. that's what I was going to ask. How much has there been, cause this has some nice, some okay features on it. Like some, uh, stuff about the area, like the Pittsburgh and cast and crew interviews and some uh, stuff from um, Curtis Hansen, uh, who we'll talk a lot about, obviously. Um, has there been anything, any sort of re-evaluation or look back into this? No. Ah, I did not think so. It's a, it's a two-center. Like, it's amazing. And when, when we talk about the movie, we'll get into it, too. It's basically was left on the back burner. They released it twice. Yeah, it, I saw that. They never found an audience. It, and it's, it's weird that it didn't find an audience, but it's also kind of obvious in other ways. Like, it's just, you know, big it's time. a movie big about time. a guy who's kind of just a big fuck up. So. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, who's. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Well, we'll get into it. So this is the follow up film to L.A. Confidential for Curtis Hansen. Uh, L.A. Confidential. Huge success. Uh, won nine Oscar nominations. Winner for Best Adapted Screenplay. And Kim Basinger won for Best Supporting Actress. They just remember it was a, who can forget. The 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 jazz man himself's opening song, uh, "L.A. Confidential." You could be the iceberg tonight. I think he said because that was uh, up against the uh, the the behemoth that was Titanic, and uh, so but, but yeah, it was a huge like probably opened up so many doors for uh, uh, Curtis Hansen, and so this is in a way, I guess, a vanity project to some extent or, or i'm sure they just kind of gave him the keys to the Wonder, kingdom Wonder yeah i'm not sure yeah okay well i mean that's, a, a that's... budget of 55 million it only yeah, made 33 budget for a, this type of picture for sure but for you know, a bunch of people hanging out in sweaters yeah, y'all, could, totally. y'all could be crashing at that at that uh that big old house all night everybody you could put the cast and crew in there and save a lot of money but i don't think they did well, what, uh, what did eight mile cost i mean you know like he he still right. has he he was hitting some he had a lot of home runs for a while like and then he kind right. of well, faded away well okay so this is i was gonna say that so he had 
this was the first, well, LA Confidential was the first time he was writer, director, producer. He had written and directed The Bedroom Window. He had written and directed something called Sweet Kill in 1972. That, that was a Roger Corman film that he hated working on. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then other, his he was on a bit of a role as a director with, uh, yeah, uh, Bad Influence, The Hand That That's Rocks a good the film. Cradle. Yeah, yeah. The Hand That Rocks Cradle and The River Wild. Yeah, uh, which which I've never I don't I don't think I've ever seen the River Wild. It's really good. I'd say starting with River Wild, that was he had the those were his, he had that was his peak. Mm. River Wild, I like Confidential, Wonder Boys, Eight Mile. Like he, he could do no wrong. I think that he was like Rob Reiner in the eighties for a while, <laughs> right up till North. Right up till North. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So and then comes this Wonder Boys that he doesn't write, but it's written by Steve Cloves, who interesting career after this. Um, all the Harry Potter, all but one Harry Potter movie, uh, becomes because he got a nomination. He got one of the two uh, nominations for for that this film got for the Academy Awards. The, the, the nominations that this film got are as diverse and messed up and all over the map as you can imagine. Well, wasn't it editing and and writing? Uh, and no, song. no, it got song and and best adapted screenplay. It was nominated for. Oh, okay. Um. Uh, and but I think that nomination for our 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 boy Clovesy here just like set him off on. Uh, I mean, well, obviously he's he's got a skill, but because he did all the Harry Potters except for one, I guess I can't figure out which one it is. And looking, well, you these... look at this script and you say this guy knows how to write for big stone houses. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, and from what. Uh, this felt i mean this movie we'll get into it this movie felt super literary right like it, it's meant to be like a novel like we're watching a novel and that's fine that that because it suits the the uh, what we're doing um so I, it's just wild that he would like that he would they would give him the keys to the kingdom so to speak uh after this and uh so but before we get into it so michael chabon uh this was his i guess second official novel after the mysteries of pittsburgh which which was like his first uh big success i uh i've never read a shabon uh novel i've had uh people give me the amazing adventure like lend me read it you gotta read it gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah it's one of those things that right? just sits mm-hmm. on your shelf forever and you forget um, who gave it to you yes <laughs> Um, a comedian I know described getting a book as a job you'll never get paid for. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, Fountain City and Wonder Boys are, are in a way related because Fountain City was something that Chabon was writing and it had ballooned to 1,500 pages with no end in sight. And then he ended up writing Wonder Boys instead. So we can see how that uh, there's an autobiographical element to the story for that writer. And... Well, I think we're going to see autobiographical stuff for uh, Hanson uh, as it goes too, even though he's not the writer here. No. Um, uh, so most of that he saved for Eight Mile, though. Going back to his uh, hardcore <laughs> life on the streets, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so were hard when Kid basically was my mom. So I guess I, I guess as I was saying this to uh, Scott before. Uh, online is I started to take notes as we went here, but I just I, I couldn't because I I, I got to pay attention to this. So I'll just kind of go with Wikipedia here, and if if we can remember things along the way, which I'm sure we will, as well as there's been I don't know if you guys found this. Did you see that what I had shared with you there, Scott? Had you read this before? This is a a, a piece of writing from a, a woman named Anya 
Jeremenko Greenwald. I'll, I'll share it in the chat with you guys here. That is uh, very recent. Came out um, November 18th of uh, last year. And uh, I was I was like, okay, I want to... There's so there's symbols upon symbols in this. That's what I mean. It's so like a novel, this book. Like everything is meant to be a symbol. Everything. Like so much. Um, and so I knew there's got to be some sort of analysis, even if this hasn't got a, a revisit. And to find this, this woman's done great work. I'll put her over uh, big time. Anya Deramenko Greenwald. She's got A-N-Y-A-J-G.com. You can see a lot of her essays and features and interviews. And this is a really, this is a, a fairly long read, uh, but it, and it really does kind of go through the uh, the plot. So I'll probably go through that and um, generally Wikipedia because she has some really great insight on uh, on uh, uh, some of the work here. So uh, before we get into this, uh, Scott, you like as I saw, uh, Brad never seen this before. This is the first time I've I, I've, I may have watched it one other time because I, I either saw it in the theater and then bought the DVD. Or, or maybe one and a half times, but it'd been a long time, that's for sure. But you say you generally watch this once a fall? Once a fall. I, I saw it twice in the theater, both times at the Hollywood. The second time, I believe Dave Donaldchuck came with me. I dragged him to it. I said, you got to see this movie. And mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't going to last long. I mean, I was the only person in the theater. And then Dave, and of course, two of us. I mean, no one went to see it. Yeah. But I fell in love with it. I think it's... I laugh all the way through it. Some people say it's not funny enough. I think it's perfectly funny. But yeah, mm -hmm. I watch it every October when the rain starts to fall. I just kind of, it's a cozy film. Oh, yeah. Sweater weather. Sweater, Sweater weather, weather uh, type uh, film. Um, all right. So it, it opens with, uh, we got the Bob Dylan soundtrack. A lot of old white guys. Uh, I think that's a common uh, commonality throughout here uh, in the soundtrack uh, and uh, and with our with our protagonist obviously and everybody a lot of everybody involved um right away there is what i would call a sleight of hand with it starts with you start to hear a monologue but it's revealed that he's reading it off the page and then you hear his real internal monologue um over top of that and that's the first of uh, I think that's a common a common thing that will happen in various ways if something you're expecting something and then it kind of goes in a, in a slightly different way. Not like a whoa kind of thing like, oh, it's more like a kind of just, oh, all right. All right. This is what this is now. Right. So it's right at that moment right there. I think it's like you got to pay attention to what's going on. This is all because that first bit he's reading about, you're like, what the hell is this? But we later we find out it's uh, Toby Maguire character's name, James Lear. James Lear. Want some of his writing. Uh, who we will learn is super important uh, later. But he's also well, he's one of the titular characters, as we'll learn later. Um, but we're, we're starting with Michael Douglas's uh, voiceover because he is Professor Grady Tripp, a novelist who teaches creative writing at an unnamed Pennsylvania university. Um, and we learn right away that his wife has left him, or his wife is, is finally finally leaving him um and i uh, here's one thing i'd really forgotten is this film is really kind of uh after hours but with a little bit of room to breathe um like it, it's it's packed into a, a constrained time period i things think happen very quickly yeah the first half hour mm -hmm. they get a lot of pieces in motion for sure right right because it because it starts uh really it is so grady's third wife 
has left him. But he, oh, he's having an affair with Sarah Gaskell, played by Francis McDermott. McDermott. Uh, amazing. And that's one of the fir- again, a first, a really great, another great sleight of hand is when they run up to the to the to the room to like kind of it looks like they're going to sneak out oh, like ah that these guys are screwing are uh, screwing around kind of thing and they and it, they they just lie in each other's arms so it's whoa huh so this isn't just this is something real right um because when they go off to sneak off at this cuz this is a party for what is this first party? What is this fest well, called? It's, 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 you know, it's like really the uninspired. Of, it's an annual event that they're having. Like Word the writers, fest. The, Word the fest. fest. Yes. <laughs> I love how uninspired the, the name of the uh, the festival is. It's not as good as Race Wars, but it's pretty good. <laughs> Word fest. Um, so there's a lot of, yeah, the people in sweaters, people in scarves, hanging around this old university-looking it's a house. It's a house, but it's on campus, yeah. right? Yeah, and where it's kind of like a pre, a pre uh, party before they go to this event. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, our our character Professor Grady shows up, he's he's barked at by the blind dog. the The dog hates him. Um, and so the things we know right away. What else? Uh, what else do we know here? Um. Well, it's an amazing moment when they they throw they they don't you don't the movie's kind of a mess and that's important because Grady Tripp's a mess like yep. it's supposed to be a mess yeah and then you're sort of in this jumble but they go upstairs and it's like what's going on but then when she says how was your day or something and like before he can even answer she goes I'm pregnant yeah like it's 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 they hit you right on the head with that yeah you know and of course there's history with the dog obviously he says in his voiceover that the dog's been on to him for a while like yes you know, yeah. It's just, it's, it's great writing. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and yeah, and a huge, whoa, whoa, this guy is, how old is, so he's got to be 50 something in this? So late. I'm going to play devil's avocado in here for a second here, please, because I, I do not have the boner for, for this film that you two clearly do. All right. Um, One of the things right off the bat, something you just said there, McLeod, that I, I felt the whole time is like, yes, this character is a mess. And the voice you have for this character could not be more cocksure and more confident. Like, I think the thing that I kept coming back to is why is this Michael Douglas? Michael Douglas, who up until that point, and it pretty much since then, has constantly played a Gordon Gecko, a like the alpha of alpha males. And even when he's supposed to be out of sorts in this movie, there's still a, well, I'll let this happen until I feel like taking charge. Like, I... I can think of four, like, either of the Wilson brothers in this position, if you cast them today, are a whole different vibe for this movie because, A, they're going to read Stoned, which I never once believed that this guy was stoned in the whole movie, and B, you'd actually have that little bit of, like, the world is getting ahead of him, which it's just, as somebody who is familiar with movie stars, Michael Douglas doesn't read that for me. Um, no, he, this was his Elmer Fudd role. He he was trying to do the dopey thing, sure. and I I, he, I think he loves the material. Maybe you're right, like more than he can give it. He could have produced the film, and yeah. maybe someone could have done it better. Uh, it, it's 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 very it's almost overly literary because it's so trying it hard to push all these writers' buttons. Like it's a film for writers by a writer. Oh man. And, and it's too, it is too clean in some ways. Like I, it's clinical. Like when I watch it, it's like you are at a university, you are reading or watching a movie that is intended for a specific audience. Yeah. Obviously that's why it failed, but I agree with you. <laughs> Michael Douglas is not as rough as it could have been. 
a, See, a I, writer writing about writer's block is like listening to stand-ups doing jokes about airplanes. Like it's yes, people who do what you do can relate to everything you are saying. I would prefer to read what you wrote when you got over this. Yeah, yeah, right. Sure. Um, I, but I, I, I liked the casting against type because I've never, uh, uh, it's funny. Uh, speaking of audio commentaries, I remember watching another Michael Douglas film, an audio commentary with you, uh, Scott, um, the game. Mm. And I, I, that is him playing that gecko part, but then having to be humbled kind of thing. Having the this is, and this is already, He's not humbled. He's just got too fucking comfortable. He's got way too cozy. And I and I think it was it was a deliberate choice to cast him against type. And I was I was I, I think I'm way more into it than you guys. I like the um I I think he's I like the obliviousness. I think the obliviousness works with him a bit. I like because it because he's like remember he's just like reaching into a pocket and like oh I got another fucking joint you know like like all the like this is just he is a charmed life right he like I think you kind of need someone who plays that type who who is that kind of privilege or has that kind of privilege and so I don't that's why I think yeah you get a total different vibe if it's a, a Wilson brother but I don't think they can play. Uh, upper crust as as well as some or somebody who who's had some sort of um uh, you know something that's been given to him so much that he doesn't even uh realize that he's that he's uh living a charmed life anymore then i've got one word for you yeah tenenbaum yeah <laughs> yeah no i got it yeah I, I know what you mean but that would be i i don't see how that fits with everything else here this is uh yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can see how this would would turn. Uh, what you might call it? What's his face? Wes Anderson. If this could go Wes Anderson in a hurry in different ways, if this what hadn't been done by Curtis Hansen, I think this is pre. It's good that this was pre Tannenbaum, or I think a lot of those tropes would show up uh, uh, a bit more. This reminds me a bit more of um, Igby Goes Down. You remember that? Have you seen that film, Scott? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Again, with like a bunch of like rich ass people's problems. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, and finding rich ass ways out of these problems. Yeah. Um, uh, and for yeah, and and like, why do, why should I give a shit about that? Um, talking about your can't can't find a third act bullshit. You know, like um, I get it. Um, but I um. Uh, yeah, hey, once every when you got to throw a sweater on, and I and I'm missing the uh, the halls of Simon Fraser or University of British Columbia. I might, yeah, no, that's a that's the kind of that's the flavor uh, that's the flavor I I might crave. But let's um let's keep going here. Um, so yeah, oh, so he's he had a great he was he's a successful author. Um, but it's a film he wrote or pardon me a, a novel he wrote years ago. What was it called? Arsonist's daughter. Arsonist's daughter. What a great title! What a great title! Sounds like a Norman Mailer thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it had a real rural juror. Or rural juror. Some Thirty Rock reference. I'm a huge Grissom fan. Yeah. <laughs> he continues. Uh, so he's he's laboring on a second novel, but I love that reveal that he's at the twenty six hundredth and eleventh. Uh, yeah, when he just taps that last number in there. Really good. For something that does have 
um, that is full of, uh, feels like a literary and like a film watching as a novel. A lot of really great visual storytelling in this movie, especially the way that really good at, um, through glances. And this has to do with all the, this cast is awesome. Um, uh, of revealing dynamics through really, really subtle glances and stuff from like across rooms at these parties and stuff. I think that's, that's, um, that's purely, uh, cinema, right? So, uh, that for, for, again, for a film that we're seeing as, as that's a novel come to life, it has a lot of very film specific stuff too, that, it, that is hundred percent Curtis Hansen. Um, so we say, this is what I want to say that this film has symbols on symbols is there's this dog that, uh, that hates, uh, um grady um who has a student okay he's got these two young students we should mention those we've got james lear who's toby mcguire and hannah green who is uh, uh young katie holmes my goodness mm-hmm. um uh it really probably your first serious role that i know of or first... i think so yeah i don't remember yeah. seeing her before this um and but again really well cast uh when was ice storm uh, is she ice, an ice storm? Yeah, ice yeah. storm would have been before this. Yeah, this was making me think of ice storm as well too. Well, it's um, got both. Hey, and, it's got uh, both Toby actors. and Toby, yeah. Toby, yeah, um, and yeah, and Toby McGuire. And Toby McGuire is just like this weirdo, really quiet guy. Uh, the guy he, at early on in the film, he was he wanted to stay alone and have him turn off the lights in the room. Yeah, um, but uh, they're friends and they're both really good writers. Uh, Hannah rents a room in Grady's large house and it is like overtly attracted to Grady. Um, but he never reciprocates. Um, it's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, James is like, yeah, it says here, it is a Wikipedia. Says, Enigmatic, quiet, dark, and enjoys writing fiction more than he first lights on. Here's what I want to talk about in terms of symbols. As I said, there's a thousand. He's got a book. Uh, uh, he carries a biography of Tyrone power in his bag. Is that just to be a kind of closet homosexuality thing? Well, he also has the book about all the the list of suicides he gives is also from a book he has. Right. Um, Right. Yeah. He's able to list off um, all the uh, celebrity suicides and the way they did it. That's word for word from a quite a famous book that which he also has. Um, They show you can see it briefly in the in the bag. I don't know if it's, I think, well, you know, um, Michael Chambon is gay and I think there's lots of like gay, there's just a, I mean, it's a, it's a movie that deals with it, that. Those are the characters. I think um, Tommy Aguirre's character, it's, it's, he's obviously gay from the beginning of it. There's no confusion there in my mind. Yeah. So I don't know if it, the Tyrone Power reference needs to be examined all that much in the novel. He's, he's gay. So, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, it's just like, like, what's her face? Like the greenhouse. You know what I mean? That that Francis McDermott has this greenhouse. And now this is like this separate little thing where he can go. He'll just go and remember, he takes a long way home at that one point just to see her in the greenhouse. Yeah. Right? There's something like all of these things are like these little, uh, I think that's why I think they're everything has to be something. Right. That's why that's why like and that's why I mean, like for a litter. But maybe that's. You know, part of uh, what Shabon was saying with like abandoning his thing and abandoning that is maybe he is throwing in these these things to show that that it can drive you nuts. I don't know. Um, so there's a there's this party um, where we're talking about and 
This is where Grady sees James standing outside holding what he claims to be a replica gun. I uh, said one by his mother at a fairground during school days. Um, so this is like, yeah, the old show a loaded gun in the first act, but he says it's false. But again, at the same time, you're thinking, mm, I don't think it is uh, because, yeah, it turns out to be real as he shoots the dog as it's attacking Grady, which and that's significant that it's attacking him because he has that limp for the rest of the uh, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is an important character trait because <laughs> uh, of who he is. Um and so shoots the dog it's dead uh, and we learn that this is when he has taken him up after he has run into him outside he's taken him up to show that uh toby mcguire or pardon me francis mcdermott's husband who is the the, the chairman of the english department right Chats. his boss his yeah. boss has like this weird, he's got this weird thing with, and that's oh God, his weird thing with Marilyn Monroe, but also with Joe DiMaggio. I love that we get a, a glimpse of him. We know that he's being cheated on, but he's like saying with such bravado to somebody about, oh, of course, Joe DiMaggio was seen as the slugger of the husband, right? Yeah. And, <laughs> right? That, and that's just yeah. like, how can he have, like, how can he be so, like the naivete goes into his professional work. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. that he idolizes a guy who is who was like famously well, getting well, cheated Well, you talk on. about just old white men. I mean, that's the scene. Like these guys are kind of clueless in the in in a lot of respects. And you know, yeah, he says represents slugger. Like you know, he's he's an anal overanalyze this to the tits. You know, yes, and, yes. and meanwhile, Michael Douglas has been you know philandering behind his back. But I mean, and maybe he knows. Of course, we all know Poe, the dog who's named after Edgar Allan Poe. He's on to him, as he says. So, yeah, it's all kind of there. And then the Marilyn Monroe jacket. But what? A weird scene i mean like like to know like he knows the safe code like it's such a strange thing that he would do like yeah. michael douglas's character like what's he thinking i mean maybe he yeah. right 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 i wonder yeah what's the motivation there is he's just like um he well i think it's it's well it has to do with him seeing something in in james like he always has from the beginning mm -hmm. um and and maybe it's like that kind of same mischievous okay well okay maybe i'll, I'll show you some really crazy stuff so let's go do this is right after he's well i don't know if james has had a little bit of weed but uh our boy uh no he didn't has, later yeah he hasn't given him the the codeine yet either bit of a step up <laughs> let's from, try that again to, yeah um so yeah it is interesting and it's it is really weird and quiet and uh hush scene and oh yeah toby mcguire starts crying uh when he's uh uh thinking about Marilyn Monroe. So Marilyn Monroe as a symbol in this, as this idealized whatever arm candy or whatever she was like this, this perfect uh, Hollywood that he's so obsessed with. But and, uh, again, another famous suicide, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, yeah, I like the way they shot that. You don't know. I thought like, okay, I think he took something, but I, I didn't realize. Yeah. He took the, he took the jacket. Um, uh, Grady is unable to tell Sarah of this incident. She is pressuring him to choose between her and Emily, his wife, who we never see. I love that we never see her um, who's leaving him. I think that's an interesting touch. Uh, as a result, Grady is forced to keep the dead dog in the trunk of his car for most of the weekend. I love uh, the loading of the, the dog into the car. He also allows James to follow him around because he can tell. Yeah, that's the thing that you can tell. If he's out there with a gun, this kid is probably thinking about killing himself. Um, so you see a, a, 
I don't know what it is. It's not out of duty. It's not entirely just out of, holy shit, uh, I'm stuck with this kid now or he's going to fucking kill himself. I got to stay with him. It doesn't feel... I don't know. Like, I, I would would you call it paternal at this point? Kind of. Uh, you know, yeah. it's definitely like a guy, you know, I think he see, you know, he... Drady trips at the end of his, like, he's done. I think he knows he's done. Uh, James Lear represents something. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, this guy's got the talent. Me, You know, it's just, I think he's just, it, it, I don't know if it's paternal, but uh, it's definitely like an old wise guy, an old wiser fella leading a younger fella through some some crazy life stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, but also the, the old fella doesn't know shit really either. I mean, he's no. well spoken, but he's kind of, out, he's out there. He's a fucking mess, as as we. He's said. a mess, as we've said, yeah. Um, so they drive away and they go to, uh, this. So he, here's where they meet Terry Crabtree for uh, with Robert Downey Jr. First, uh, the kind of comeback role. Um, would we call it or first like kind of like because he's still no, or, I think he's still in the midst of it here. Yeah, he or totally like yeah, is. like pre like this is like yeah, I, I that's probably what I should as like. The, it's as not the, really. As the rumor has it, you know he he had to, no one wanted him to do it. Uh, Curtis Hanson didn't trust him. So they hmm. went for dinner. He convinced Curtis Hanson he could do the role. Curtis Hanson, you know, Robert Downey's charismatic. He probably sold it. It's good. But then, and he did six months sober, but then the rumor has it, as soon as they wrapped shooting, he went off on a bender and got thrown in jail. Like, Wild. The next day. yeah, I was going to say, he still looks more pickup artist than Tony Stark at this point. And that's when you for can sure. really tell that he's, he's kind of gone over the, He's done all the steps, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of the line for him as kiss, kiss, bang, bang. That's like the first, like, okay. I'm pretty sure you're sober going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's an amazing film. Yeah. So much hmm. fun. Hmm. You don't know this what? one? I know it, but I never saw it. I remember. It oh, you're. Yeah, we're doing that one next. All right. yeah. We're doing Bad. kiss, kiss, bang, bang next. As I can tell, Brad has a heart on for that one. More yeah. than <laughs> and not this one. <laughs> no, way more. Like that would be on my list for sure. Have you seen? Right. Uh, have you seen the Nice Guys? Oh God, that's great. No, no, but I've heard uh, people talk about it. Yeah, oh. like surprisingly, yeah. I oh. think Brad. You know, Brad. We've Gosling got uh, Travis here is not intro. much of a Shane Black fan. Apparently nope. not. No, nope. nope. let me no, tell you some I'm... jokes about my wife's pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say oh. that twice, Brad? <laughs> uh, I, I didn't. <laughs> All right. Uh, meanwhile, Grady's editor, Terry Crabtree, has flown into town uh, on the pretense of attending the university's annual, the aforementioned WordFest, a literary event for aspiring authors. In reality, Terry is there to see if Grady has written anything worth publishing, as both men's careers depend on Grady's upcoming book. We didn't learn that. He's really great. It's like, here's the same of him just playing up this again. Oh, boy. Like, every... I... I, I through my wife, I met a lot of private school kids and like guys who have grown up into this kind of um, have really got this veneer of uh, the living for today. Oh, my God. You guys want to talk about privileged uh, lives. And um, did you see Star 90, the Soleil yep. Moon Fry? Of course what I did. did. What did you think? It's an interesting, it came out, like, I saw it probably within two weeks of seeing that new Val Kilmer one, which is almost beat for beat the same movie. Yeah. It is two people who had video cameras early, had tons of footage. Mm -hmm. It's it's a thing where it's, it's both painfully self-serving 
and sure. also is showing a weird level of vulnerability that they're not even aware they're showing. Maybe because yeah. you've been raised. Yeah, I know. In public I know. for so long. It's hard and... not to be cynical about it, though. It like uh, like I felt like I I boy. I, by the end, I was like, <laughs> "What was I supposed to? What am I supposed to be feeling at the end right now?" Because right now, I don't feel, <laughs> I don't feel good. <laughs> I felt kind of, I felt like kind of, oh gee, like because there's times when you'll see, like, uh, like that when she talks about her time when she's hanging out with people from kids, and and they've all just, uh, and she gets to meet up with one guy from that scene. It's like, "Boy, you got out of here dressed right on time." And just kind of like, "Gee, why was she able to kind of get out of there on time when when some of these other guys weren't?" Right. Um, and, and it feels like that kind of got glossed over. I look, I know that she's, there has been some tough times and, and the difficulties that you've kind of no. talked, touched on there. But by the end, I really felt I had really bad taste in my mouth. There is, there is a weird creepiness to it that I will admit in myself even of is it's kind of cool to see these videos of a young of Leo course. or of a young, course. like the, just the, the eeriness of mm -hmm. like, oh, this is what the parties were. And also finding out how small those groups were mm -hmm. of like, right? yeah. Right. If you did two sitcoms, you probably yeah, knew yeah. most of the other yeah, actors. Yeah. Or like, boy, Brian Austin Green and I really shared the same Rosasia. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, literary event. Yeah. Word Fest. Um, uh, so, yeah, both of them are uh, depending on it. Terry arrives with a date whom he had met on a flight called Antonio Sloviak, uh, and who, which they refer to as a transvestite now i like as you say michael shabon is a gay man he writes about his experiences in the gay community um not a term that we would hear today um but this feels like uh this i i thought this character was great i thought this actor was really good as well um has this person gone on to anything else that we know of not a crazy amount i looked them up michael cavadeus yeah he was in Rock girls. Me, <laughs> um, uh, He's a and, DJ. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the pair, uh, they uh, kind of hook up, but immediately afterwards, uh, Terry meets James and becomes infatuated with him. So uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s right away is in fact infatuated more with Tobey Maguire. Can we just is. get it out of the way right now? Because all I could think when I was watching it is, holy shit, Iron Man's fucking spider-man in ant-man's house i, I know I and, and isn't that his dad eventually like that's no it well, wouldn't be his dad his dad would have worked with michael douglas oh uh, yeah, yeah right and right. Um, i think they're gonna smooth it out in the upcoming multiverse when it addresses <laughs> i mean they better get into <laughs> there you go. so the marvel universe rears its head no matter what we're talking about yeah, one movie course. that failed I so know, bad I know. and you can still draw illusions exactly thank marvel. god for dr strange explaining wonder boys <laughs> yes <laughs> oh boy. uh yeah can't escape it nope. um uh so yeah antonio is unceremoniously sent home i love this moment he's like i need a ride he's like i'm your guy uh I mean, um just know you know, it's not so much that it's just like it's progressive or whatever. He's just uh, this guy just wants to stay awake. A lot of this movie feels like it's in the wee hours of the morning uh, yeah. in that. And in the review of uh, or th this, the write up by that I mentioned earlier by uh, Anya Jeremenka Greenwald. She talks about the review that um, 
both A.O. Scott and Roger Ebert talked about how this is like a, a George Kukar movie, like a screwball comedy, but that's like really muffed down and kind of slowed down, as Roger Ebert says it, to um, uh, kind of it keeps it grounded, right? It's a little more realistic and less kind of flippity yeah, floppy. Although stars. Dog Getting Shot is, is like, I think that falls right into... Uh, and the music is actually quite Seinfeld-esque. Seinfeld There's all these bass lines. Like when the dog comes around the corner, boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's, kinda, it's a little bit over the top. Yeah. I think the score actually gives it gives it away a little too much. The score might have could have dialed things in. It's a bit sitcom-y sometimes. Right. And just like overly old guys thinking about life like there could not have been like wow here's a here's uh here's something interesting fellas there's a here's um bob dylan writing about how close he is to dying 20 <laughs> 20 years ago <laughs> isn't the song called things have changed or this, i'm thinking about the one not close yet or not oh, yeah, not, not not dark, dark yet not, not dark, dark yet, yet. Yeah. but it's uh, getting yeah. there but it's getting there I got eight or nine decades ahead of me, but after that, it's all closing up for the song, man. <laughs> I'm curious because one thing, part of it was the soundtrack, and part of it, I think, was the snow on the ground. Did this remind? Does this movie kind of sit in the same space for you guys as Beautiful Girls? Mm. A little bit, but not, but it, not different. A bit, a bit more like the reflecting on life, dealing with that kind of indie-ish rock from that era but uh more guitar based and i think just the snow on the ground really kind yeah. of put it in the same place for me yeah i see i i'd put uh i the the aesthetic of beautiful girls i'd put a little closer to something like jack frost oh yeah of course michael michael keaton you mean uh, you mean on the shelf called stone classics yeah <laughs> stone cold classics stone cold classics uh uh so sir is your copy of jack frost in <laughs> Oh, I will. I do want to say quickly, uh, uh, Scott, uh, Scott, if you can remember, one of my proudest moments at uh, Blockbuster Video was when we got those AFI um, 100 Greatest Films of All Time stickers, and we were meant to put them on there. And I found one of those AFI 100 Greatest Films uh, candidate, and I put it on Weekend at Bernie's 2. We, it was a candidate. Didn't quite make it, but it was close. Weekend at Bernie's it. 2. Yeah, okay. it's always the, it's Revenge of the Nerds too. It's yeah. always the two of a movie that was for all for, for all you know. It's all their pieces of shit, but mm -hmm. they made another one, and those yeah. ones are they're the Police Academy Four. Yeah, like you know that's yeah. the best. Yeah, that's the one with Tony Hawk. That's right. <laughs> David Spade posing as a skateboarder, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Tony Hawk actually got fired off it because David Spade didn't grow, and Tony Hawk did. Hilarious! Hilarious. <laughs> All right, so after a night on the town, um, after after Antonio's been driven home, and she and they kind of have a really uh, good heart to heart here. Like uh, he's not. I thought it was an interesting thing. Like I I agree, the way they handled that character is like nobody ever freaks out. Everybody's super respectful at the party. Everything's cool with that. It made no sense to me why that character would take their wig off in the uh, in the car. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, if you've been sense. if you've been wearing it all day that you're passing that way in person, it just I couldn't quite understand unless they were saying I'm going to my parents' place and they can't it's see me like this. I think maybe it has to say something or or it has to say something about the relationship that this character had for or what they'd recognized about 
well, this guy's a, a fucking mess. This doesn't matter if I take my bra off a little early on the way home here. That, that's, uh, you know, possible explanation. But I can see, I can see your point for sure. Um, so, but he still stays out here. This is what I was, I was saying. It always feels like it's, oh, this is what I was saying. It always feels like it's late at night. It's because it reminds me a lot of, a lot of this has that vibe of uh, the Philadelphia story, the the night before the wedding when all that shit goes down, right? Uh, that's Kukor, right? Am I right? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, where a lot goes down, but there's still like it still feels like nobody's going to sleep yet, right? Like every like m- the rest of the civilized world has gone to sleep, but there's still a lot of shit to to be unraveled here because they go out they go out to a a, a bar and uh, where uh, again Terry and James are semi consciously flirting through the night, um, which eventually leads to them getting together. But this is the first time we meet, uh, and this is really cool. I love the quick little playfulness between um uh Terry and Grady here when they're putting together the character of Vernon um Vernon Hardapple it's really cool um I like that kind of it's late in the night they're all kind of he's coming down off of his codeine high at codeine and whiskey and whatever and and uh, I assume it's sativa it's got to be sativa or else he's this guy's just got to be Especially if he's if he's writing a lot and without any sort of uh, safety net, I assume that's just he's letting his creativity go crazy. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 you know the scene I'm talking about, Scott. Yeah, so they're in the bar and they're gonna come up with this, like they pick they pick out you know um, they pick out the guy and they're like you know it's like James Club hair club hair club hair club for men you know they start riffing on this dude, but they come up with a whole backstory for him and it's really clever and fun. And like you say, it's probably like two in the morning. There's a great, that's one of my favorite scenes. And of course, Tobey Maguire has been listening to them the whole time. And he finishes off the story in such a brilliant way. Wow, it's like yeah. uh, the killing. It's like Stanley Kubrick writing. It's something wild. Like there's this whole story, Ben. He's like, you know, it's his brother that called in the hit. Yeah. And, you know, like on the horse. Like it's like right yes. out of that movie, The Killing, right? When they're at the horse track. And yeah. it's just just a great little story and how they did that is so neat and the music in the background of that scene is really cool it's this a uh, booker t in the end no it's uh, the guy that did shotgun anyway i've the got it scene. here uh i want to say is it clarence carter no no okay it's on i don't think it's on the soundtrack it's proper. not because i was going to say i'm not on there's only you only know the guy one only shotgun. one person of color on this soundtrack <laughs> surprise <Yeah. laughs> and no, oh no wait well no wait uh, two pardon me yeah, Clarence Carter does Slip Away, which is a beautiful song that's on there. But uh, oh. anyway, that scene's really neat. The bar scene's great. The dancing, the music, the thing they do with Vernon Hardapple. But this brings us hopefully to the next scene you're going to bring up. When they're in the car with Q, they've all had their drinks. And Vernon Hardapple, uh, you know, catches them in the lane and says, this is my car. Yes, yes. And which leads to one of the greatest lines, like, I, I think, in the movie. What did he say exactly? Well, you know, this is my car. And then, then he jumps on the hood. And then yeah. like about 10 minutes later, after they've been driving around and, and you know, Robert Downey's having a gas. He's back yeah, there just yeah, saying, woo. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, then the line is something like, um, I guess this is his car. And what makes you think that? Oh, just because, you know, that thing he said about, you know, this is my car, motherfucker. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. But, uh, really good. And again, like they're, they're, they're driving around. and this is a bit of like that screwball thing but it's still like uh, i think reflective of 
this could be like they're him like laughing through it of the guys who like ah whatever the fuck happened like I, I'm uh, I get that so, still that same level of obliviousness perhaps mm-hmm. um because it, um you know everything is it, you all get the the feeling that even though because 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 what's his name barely lets his guard down Robert Downey Jr.'s character barely lets his guard down that he's like it's it's later when they're driving he just says. I'm totally fucked. Like we're totally fucked. If we don't get this done, we got we're 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 if you don't get this thing done, like after he's been like Mr. Suave through all of this, right? Um and that's uh that level of just kind of fake it till you make it, man, is is oh boy, you can imagine pretty key to um it, it, a world where you've got people who have these crazy ass homes, including Toby Maguire. But a guy who's who's living at a bus station instead, having those extremes, right, uh, is is a really interesting thing here too. Of that, that especially when we see Toby Maguire's house, oh my god, oh my god. Um, anyways, um, kid living under the stairs, I would hire that writer to write Harry Potter movies. Exactly. I was gonna say one of the the last songs on the soundtrack is "Philosopher's Stone" by Van Morrison. <laughs> You want to, wow. talk about, want to talk about a problematic white guy? I wonder, if, wonder if Eric Clapton's on here somewhere. I hope not. Yeah, nope. <laughs> um, so Grady phones Walter and reveals to him that he is in love with Sarah just before he goes to bed that night as he's smoking a joint. Um, and, he, and he tells him, I want to see you in my office. And uh, great scene where she comes to see him in the morning where she's like, I'm mad at you. I'm furious at you. But she can also tell like, oh my God, you're actually, you're, you're going to instead of sitting on the pot you're actually going to shit here buddy or like you're, you're you're taking minor steps i love the subtlety with which she plays that because she's still having to like my dog is dead and the fucking Marilyn monroe thing is missing she's the she's the character that keeps the loosey-goosiness like together and you couldn't have picked a better actress you know uh, she, obviously she's just hits home runs all the yeah, time yeah and so she's so solid in this film because she is working on a level that's hard to like she's just she keeps everything moving in a, a good direction she's so calm you're in the face of all this lunacy i mean when michael douglas hangs up on her because you know the cops at the door um what's her name is in like everything's worrying about him and he just hangs up the phone mid-sentence on her it's like, <laughs> how he deals with the world it's perfect. i know i know <laughs> it's so funny yeah and then she uh, shows up and she can deal with it all she, she knows what's going on right right um so meanwhile, Walter has also made the connection uh, between the disappearance of. So this is like, yeah, her dad or her husband has made the connection between the disappearance of the Marilyn Monroe memorabilia and James. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following morning, the police arrived with Sarah to escort James to the chancellor's office to discuss the ramifications of his actions. The memorabilia is still in Grady's car, which has suddenly gone missing. And this is really cool. Oh, we should also mention along this way, uh, we've noticed there's been a couple more advances from Katie Holmes. But she's also she's dug into his book. She is reading his book. Um, um, so that's something there too. She's not just I want to screw the dean. Um, she's she wants to see what's coming next. Um, and that's like because again, there's something you had mentioned. Q played by Rip Torn, an interesting character too. He's an author who's super prolific and, and can put out another uh novel every uh year and a half it drives drives uh drives grady crazy right like he also kind of also drives drives him crazy that that james's book is so like fuck it's awesome right like the first time he sees it 
Um, uh, so, like, what is Rip Torn's character, or this character of Q in this? What does he, what does he represent in this world, would you say? What do you think, Brad? I, I kind of drifted off in this part, boys. I'm the wrong <laughs> one to ask. This All is- right. This but is like, where, like, see, honestly, no, this, he's, a, he's like a John. He's like your John Grisham's or your Dean Coops, yeah. right? Um, yeah, he he's the he's the uh, he's the bestseller a year. He's up on the podium. You know what's funny when he makes his little speech about the? It's a quote from someone I forget, but it's really quite cliche. And of course, James Lear laughs because he's high, and the whole room kind of yeah, looks really over. funny laugh, really funny, yeah, laugh. really good laugh. <laughs> but that's what Q is. Q is represents success. Well, he, I think Michael Douglas says it. He's successful. He writes a book every year and a half. I hate him. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that's what he is. And I think yeah. that's he doesn't have to be anything else. He just represents something Grady isn't and probably will never be. Yeah. And, um, See, I just wonder because he's just all- so he's just so immersed in that. Uh, kind of thing like he they rely on him he relies on them it's a symbiotic uh, sort totally of thing yeah. so that when he I'm confused by the last just at the last time where he tells him that he's read uh, the arsonist's daughter again and, recently recently and mentions a specific passage and and like and like is he just is he just here to yank his chain and just like here come be with us come be with us buddy we still want you here or is it just supposed to be like oh this is something we do I don't really mean anything that I have to say we all just do this sort of bullshit and you know what I mean like it's a killer riptorn yeah thank you thank you no I gave it a bit more of a we're gonna get into impressions of riptorn we're going for the long haul here it's very if there's one thing I know, Hank, it's you do not suck. <laughs> My all-time favorite Larry Sanders episode. Uh, I love that episode. Um, um, anyways, uh, so yeah, so the memorabilia. Uh, so they know that they, they, they oh, my car's missing, but they know oh it must be Vernon because he was talking about taking his car. Yeah. Um. So they 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 track it down. Uh, they have a bit of a. The, this be, oh, we should keep mentioning that Grady has, this is my one thing that is never really, it's a device, his, his passing out, um, his episodes, his episodes, um, where he just kind of passes out. It's Tony uh, Sopranos. Right. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, like, and there's one where like they tease at the end that he is going to pass out and like die. Yeah. But he ends up like, uh, he doesn't. I feel like I don't know if it's the timing of them is not um an, a sufficient. Oh, they're, just, enough. they're just plot devices, maybe. But that's I mean, what I mean. Yeah, but like, that's uh, funny. They're plot devices in the story of Grady Trip. That's how they they come on at the uh, convenient yeah. time. I see. I see. Yeah. You know, good they point. just do the little thing. I mean, I don't know why he like they don't explain them at all. I mean, is it just because yeah. he's over exhausted? I mean, it could be. Right. I love the one where he gives Traxler. He drops the weed. Hey, Traxler, do you get high? And he gives him this big bag of bud, and that's really great. And you know, the guy that he plays gives Traxler, him about an eighth and a bit, and Traxler acts like he just dropped just a, a pillow. Throw, throw pillow, like, yeah. What am I going to do with all this? I'm a dealer now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But you know, the guy that plays Traxler, yeah, two dicks. Ended up playing um, that droid from uh, Rogue One, which, which was he so plays cool. a voice oh, in every Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Knew it's I incredible the him. amount he's in. Alan Tudyk. I'm pretty sure he's in, uh, like, he, he features as one of the, uh, the, the, the 
background pirates in the pirate movies, isn't he? Yeah, like he's always a he's in Heath Ledger's crew and Knight's Tale. That guy yeah, gets around. Yeah. He's in that uh, weird CTV show they kept advertising to me where uh, he's a doctor who's also an alien. That weird CTV show. Was it uh, the Snow Job? <laughs> it was, uh... Remember Snow Job on CTV? I do. I do. Is that the one? No, no, okay. this was a okay. recent one. Okay, okay, a little more recent. All right, so the uh, the car is stolen, and we learned that the car had been given to him by a friend as a payment for a load, and over the we- a loan, and over the weekend, Gray had come to suspect the car was stolen, so they find it, and here's another kind of, like a bit of a crazy mishap with involving the gun again and spinning around, in it. and again, it's um, it gets a little madcappy and screwball, but all of the manuscript blows out of the car and is lost. Um, a bit of uh, some funny physical comedy here from uh, Robert Downey's uh, killer Robert when he's grabbing yeah. for the papers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, he's trying to grab. Oh, I gotta get that one. Yeah. That one, one I gotta get. That one. I when really he got. grabs it and shows it, like got this yes. one, buddy. Yeah. It's no, pretty great. We're back in business. <laughs> okay, I had a question here. As somebody yeah. who's only seen it the once. We see earlier that Tommy McGuire says this gun's a cap gun, and then f- we see it fire. So obviously Grady knows this is an actual gun, but then he's trying to sell it like as a cap gun, but also fires it. Yeah, yeah, that was a little. Everything was a little kind of. Wow, Brad, way to bring the mood down on its face. Or like, a, no, a bit of a, a mess. Also, here. did you guys consider a Wilson brother? Like, how much better they would have sold that? I think it should have been the third guy, the guy who only who oh, doesn't show up yeah. that often. Look at the brother, a free yeah. future man, the one who yeah. actually has the uh, the BB. That's his gut. That's his oh, hands. That's right. That's right. That's you know, right. there's a great when the paper blows out. This is Vernon Hardapple's time to shine, though. He he sums up in a strange way. He sums up what the movie is and isn't about. Because people often say to me, "Why do you like this movie so much?" It's what's it? It's not about anything, and I'm like. Well, that's kind of true. There's a narrative, but it's really just about a, a guy, Michael Douglas, trying to like sort of get his get some get his stuff in order, right? And whether together. you like that or not is completely obviously a lot of people don't like it. But Vernon Hardapple says a great. I think it's a great line. Like you write fifteen hundred pages and you don't away. know what it's about. Well, no, he says all those pages that blew away, and you don't know what the book's about. Then if you don't know what it's about, why are you still write? Why do you keep writing it? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the movie, like the, yeah, you know, yeah. He needed that, right? Like that's yeah. the, that's the climax of the film. It's yeah. not so much the uh, like obviously it reads as a climax is the explosion of his his of his work for the of last seven work, years. Yeah. But maybe it's but an it really is when that. He needs to let go. Yeah, yeah, and it is that that line when he's finally uh, told that. That's yeah, really great. Oh, we should mention that his wife Ula is the Ula. Uh, uh, who's that actress? Oh gosh, I recognize Jane her Adams. too. Um. I've never happiness. Met oh my gosh, happiness! Of course, that's yeah. her oh, recognizer. Yeah. And uh, eternal sunshine and spotless mind. Um, um, but she's pregnant too. That that's a, a that's key true. thing is that she's with child. And and they had they when they get a ride home from them, the car owners give them a ride to university, and there's a really nice kind of again like uh, do you know a boy or a girl? Like we don't know. We're just yada yada. Um, but as that's long a really as it nice... has a face like hers. And a something, you know, it's a great line. Ooh, I can't remember what it was, but it was really, it's, it's really good. It's a doozy, good. yeah. Yeah, it is really good. Um, Grady finally sees that making things right involve having to make difficult choices. Uh, that's There it is. Grady tells the story behind the memorabilia and allows Ula to leave with it, which is good. Uh, worried that Grady's choice 
comes at the expense of damaging James's future. Terry convinces Walter to not press charges by agreeing to push his book about Joe DiMaggio. You know, uh, and yes, yeah, and, and the American. What a what a smooth. Uh, yeah, so this is the American Slugger. Is that the name of the book? American I, Slugger. Ameri- uh, no, I don't think it's called American Slugger, but that would have been hilarious. Oh, best, yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like uh, scenes from American Marriage. Yeah, or scenes from American Marriage, I believe. Right, right. Yeah. Um, which, I, again, like you get the like, oh yeah, this will kill. This will be. This will. That'll be fine. That'll be great. But I also and and this is done again. It's announced at the uh, at another yeah. similar similar award ceremony that we had seen That's earlier in the film. So again, like everything is just so this tight little. It's got these bookends and everything. Um, and. Uh, and as he announces this, it's just kind. Of, you see, kind of, you see, uh, uh, Grady look at uh, the looks the face, and like, the winks are great. Are like, all just like, holy shit, thank you, wow, you really kind of pulled that one out of the out of our asses. And take a bow, James. And and then it's announced that that um, yeah, that uh, James's book is going to be uh, published. Um, and uh, it's 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 with like a lot of fan fanfare. And Michael Douglas says, take a bow, James um and 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 yeah so then and he and he does like does it with flourish uh and that's when he says wonder boy but which even this is oh god this is where here's where i want to find um uh the way that uh um anya who i'd mentioned earlier kind of writes about this uh uh the way it kind of wraps up here um but uh yeah the, the idea of him him forcing uh or him him kind of you know having to cajole uh james into standing up and taking a bow uh is that i don't know is that a little puffy is that a little to me that was a little kind of and now almost as much and like look the last little very the very final the last moment because we we don't know if she's going to keep the baby through all of this and that last little again visual storytelling thing where we see that he's all cleaned himself up and um uh but we see that there's a she is reaching for like you're just kind of as you see her get out of the car you kind of it is in the backyard like oh my god is she gonna take a kid out of the back is she gonna take a kid out of the back and she does right and that's just done as such like a okay so he has he not only that he's uh, like i am kind of skipping to the end here but um we're there yeah um the love parade has been um Oh yeah, like that's the other cool thing is he describes it's described as true, and that is kind of they both recognize that like he says it's true, and they both recognize that as like holy shit, this is something serious, and for a writer to say that something is true, it feels like it's like the ultimate compliment, um, and something that they can't really get to. And okay, so he does call him a wonder boy, but it's meant to be. Uh, you know re- respond to both of them and it, it, it like um take a bow james uh wonder um it's so i guess so so here's what she said it's never too late i suppose is what this movie is about to change career tracks to fall in middle-aged love to quit doing something you hate to start becoming something you, someone you like wonder boy's failure at the box office feels apt now for the story of a man who cannot live up to past success and so adjust to a new breed of triumph in order to stay sane um that sounds good and like again, and so we like Curtis Hansen. Um, 
like his his story is a tragic one now as to kind of what what kind of happened to him not long after this well i guess you know he still he still made eight mile and and that and he was made a that in success. her shoes i think after yeah, that in her shoes and then and... he but then he once his dementia took hold though i, I think he had to stop working on right. his yeah. last film yeah. um and yes yeah, yeah. i think and he wasn't that old um no you know you know he was he directed one of the first tom cruise movies called Which losing one? it Wow, um, he directed that. Yeah, so he Tom Cruise. Yeah, so Tom Cruise made The Outsiders that year, and he made Taps, and he made Losing It, mm. and and Losing is probably the best. Of, well, Outsiders is amazing, obviously, but he's mm. not really in it all that much. But you know, it, it's a it's a fun film. And then you know, he goes from Losing It to I think like Legend, and then Top no, no, Gun. No, Legend would be the way later. There was all the right moves. There was oh, and all the right moves. You're right, and Risky Business. Yeah. Those are the yeah, yeah, but after we do all the right moves in Risky Business, then it's Legend. Legend's then, like 85, I think. Yeah, 85. And then Top Gun is 86, 87. Wild. So such like an interesting person. He just seems like a, a beloved individual. Like I remember uh, Kim Basinger's acceptance speech and the way she just like gushed over him. And, and, and hearing similar uh, love for a guy like this because of uh, like, wow, I, I just think this is so cool that this was the follow up to this m- massive uh hit and like somebody that, that really could have put him into a territory where he could have been um really kind of taking on something similarly ambitious not Epic, that this isn't yeah. an amb- not that this isn't an ambitious film um and- it's ambitious in a different way though yeah. i like confidential is just an epic yeah. thing and you know curtis hansen though as a workman like director i mean bad influence is one of my favorite movies of his mm-hmm. and it's it's so different than other things bedroom window's not great i mean steve gutenberg holy smokes um <laughs> he was a gift he, he was the gift to the 80s he's in my favorite uh police academy movie police academy four uh, so <laughs> So I thought you were going to say favorite party down episodes. He does have a fantastic. One thing I wanted, there's one line we didn't get to touch on in Wonder Boys that I've always loved so much. And it's Frances Mm -hmm. McDormand when she says, what's a great, what's um, James Lear doing in your car? And Michael Douglas says, oh, he's going through some stuff. I'm helping him through some stuff. And she goes, isn't he lucky? Yes. I love it. (laughs) I love it. It's just I a great throwaway, it. dude. Oh yeah, and here's the thing: like, like I, I've, I've got some the same pair of glasses I've been wearing. My, my, my sister makes fun of me wearing the same glasses all the time. I've got a little more salt and pepper in my hair. My hair, my hairs get a little messier. I've been hanging out in my sweats a lot. I don't know about you guys a lot over the last kind of couple of years or year and a half. Have you been hanging out in your sweats a little more than usual? Me, so, so there was, uh, you know, there was some, and and also the idea of just kind of, um of just like uh well i've kind of done that and that was that was really cool and now i've got to me like uh, brad you might relate to this it's, it's, it's uh, having Going a through kid, life stoned 100 yeah yeah oh god of course i mean that's what i was gonna say in terms of like looking stoned um if 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 you're that late into still finding uh jeezy's in your pockets i don't think you look stoned anymore um especially if it's that higher class highfalutin uh green that they get in the pennsylvania autumn um so before we start what off, is this fanfic you're writing about um um so, it's all the black and yellow baby yeah give me some of that black and yellow um so i, I said it like a tons of accolades it won uh uh for spread out quite a bit right so it won the uh the one academy award for the bob dylan song and the golden globe for that but 
you saw screenplay nomination and awards for again like clothes and uh chabon but also uh tommy mcguire for, for like you're getting recognized by in these different places that you'd expect right i, I thought it's interesting so i see uh for the glad media awards in 2001 it was nominated for outstanding uh film which which makes sense because of their the kind of the um good portrayal of uh lgbtq characters in the in the film but it also uh or any portrayal one... of lgbtq yeah, right right, right. So at that point the bar was exactly. very low yeah you're right you didn't um, use the f word congrats yes one teen choice awards nomination can you guys guess what it was uh um, had to be katie holmes incorrect toby mcguire toby mcguire was up for you know everybody's Hunk? everybody's favorite category and, and which we i i got i've lost a if I've lost a thousand dollars, I've lost twenty twenty five thousand. Betting on this, <laughs> no. Choice liar, Toby Maguire, was nominated but did not win for Choice Liar in the two thousand Teen Choice Awards. What? Well, who won? Uh, yeah, who won then? Let's go find out. Is that the one where you get slimed? I I would think so. <laughs> they, I think so. Say, only if they ask you who directed and you say I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I, also, I just, note not to say that you uh, you acted a lot around the water splash. Yes, believe it or not, there is not that extensive. Uh, that like it's kind of I'm a little, a little let down. At there's the no number. Wikipedia. Not there is a Wikipedia here, but not enough. There's just records for nominations, most wins. It doesn't have, you know, I don't have a choice liar, a list of choice liars. Oh, that's here. too bad. That's weird. Choice oh, well. liar. Someone's got work to do. Anyways, I guess lying. You guys know. Oh, you guys remember in two thousand, in the year two thousand, everybody was lying about everything. It was the thing to do. If you were the choice liar, now that was uh, that was quite the feat. So, um, yeah. So he'd go on to do uh, Eight Mile, which was like again uh, both uh, critical and commercial success. I don't so mean to interrupt, of... but did you guys want the full list? I found the choice liar list, All right, including winner. Let her rip. So I'm going to read all of them, and I want you to guess who the winner is. Obviously, okay. we know Toby Maguire from Wonder Boys, yeah. Matt Damon, talented Mr. Ripley, Tom Green, Road Trip, Joshua <laughs> Jackson, The Skulls, Chris Klein, American Pie, which I believe he would have won for the lie of Suck It, Beautiful, uh, Steve Martin in Bowfinger. <laughs> Wow. Our our only female representative on the liar list, Amanda Peet from the whole nine yards, and rounding out the list, famous Scientologist Giovanni Rabisi in the boiler room. <laughs> so amongst I'm going to guess Joshua Jackson for the skulls. Okay, we got Joshua Jackson. McLeod, put your money down. The American Pie guy, just because I don't think teenagers watch some of these movies. Okay, your logic was correct. You should have gone with the teen one. What you missed that, of course, over Damon, Maguire, and Steve Martin, the winner, of course, was Canadian Tom Green in Road Trip. Oh. What was he lying about? He wasn't lying about anything. Yeah, what uh, was the lie in that well, one? Well, he then? lied to her to say where they were. Right. 
Right. But like the talented Mr. Ripley, he's actually lying the as whole the film. plot point yeah. the entire film. Yeah, he's my talented Mr. Lying. Ripley. And Steve Martin's lying oh, the whole God. time too. But teenagers don't care about those guys. God, also, uh, talented Mr. Ripley was an R-rated film. Teens yeah. couldn't go see it. How did it yeah. get nominated? Well, hey, I... Road Trip was our. Never mind. This is good point. Done. Good point. I lost a bundle on that one. <laughs> last year. The problem um, was I had it. I had it in a trifecta. Like I, I nailed I choice summer movie wipeout. I, I nailed movie chemistry. So this all is, I needed was liar. So we were, yeah. So we have to start betting on the Teen Choice Awards. This is gonna be good. Uh, I might have a problem. Like, <laughs> all right. Like, so sure, I can pick choice hissy fit at any point. I can choose breakout movie star sleazebag. I'm your guy. See again, I was a breakout. I was losing a lot every year after year because i was just looking for who had the most acne i was not even understanding you would have lost what it was about yeah Haley joel osmond did oh, not have smooth. acne in six cents oh man like not a like, porcelain smooth yes <laughs> okay so as we we put a poll on this brad as we talked about it a bit yeah like can i ask you at least or not do, do you not relate a, a little bit to the idea of somebody who's just like um fuck looking for something to be inspired by if you're asking me if I relate to the film, 100%. Of course I do. But it is a it is a movie of an era. I think you guys are partially watching it as though you are watching it in that era. I think a lot of it hasn't aged well. And a lot of the tropes that were things that you would have just kind of nodded at just feel weird now. Like, you're kind of waiting for the, the shoe to drop the entire time of when's he going to fuck Katie uh, Holmes. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff in it just... I watched a movie this past year that I had never seen that kind of reminded me of this, which was um, Officer and a Gentleman. And oh, Officer yeah. Gentleman, really well done movie. But the whole plot of Officer Gentleman rides around these guys going through basic training, which is something that they literally say in the movie, similar to Top Gun. There's going to be another group of guys in eight weeks who are doing the exact same thing. This movie feels like this could have been anybody but we're making a big deal out of it because it's rich white guys and they're all fantastic looking and they're all great to listen to. I just don't know how much we need a movie like this right uh, now. And, and no, but there's a, like that, that comes out of a tradition, whether it, yeah, whether or not you want it or not, like it falls into like the, uh, uh, JD Solinger would write about the glass family. And again, this is something that, uh, like, uh, Tannenbaums is a riff on this or yeah, Bombax, yeah. Bombax, uh, uh, squid in the squid whale. whale. Yeah, yeah. Is totally like this sort of, um, thing. And yeah, I think, I, I I don't think I'll watch it every year, but but Scott, I'll definitely watch this movie again, and I will pick. I think it'll be a rainy. I think it'll be a rainy autumn day when I do it. Do and I think rainy that's, autumn day. I think that may also be it, guys. If I had caught this, this strikes me as the type of movie that if I had had an assignment due on Monday and it came out on Sunday afternoon, I would have fallen in love with it. Mm -hmm. But in the no, you have to watch this. This movie's a killer. It does not have that delivery. Is that how Travis sold this to you? Oh you my God. He was like, killer? remember when oh. we watched Armageddon? Re get ready for your socks to get blown right through <laughs> your shoes. And like, I, I, I make sure you're like, I said, right up against your face, right up against the screen too. Like until your neck is backwards. You know, I, I've shown this <laughs> film to people who love reading. Like they, I've shown this film to people who claim like they are characters in this movie and I'm so convinced they're going to like it. And I'm so happy. And we get our popcorn and our drinks and we start watching it. And I'm amazed at how few people, like I've had people say to me, I thought that was horrible. Yeah. And then they are Grady Tripp. I'm just like, wow. Yeah. So obviously there's a nostalgia. I think you're right, Brad. I mean, when I saw it, it was a perfect moment. 
Mm-hmm. And so you you try to replicate that and like in your own little way. And so it hit all the right notes. But movies don't age well a lot of the time. And that's just that's just true. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're not supposed to time. in a lot of ways. No, they're, they're not supposed, supposed to. to. They're supposed to reflect the era that they're in. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you guys can relate. We're not all as young as Travis, but it's <laughs> I am finding there are some times where I'll go back to revisit a film. And I honestly kind of wish I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Like I, if I'd left it in the amber that it was in in my mind, it would yeah. have been better than actually seeing what it really was. I just rewatched Dirty Work because Norm Macdonald, of, of course. course, passed away, yeah. and that movie is horrible. Yeah, and it should probably be canceled. Yeah, as they yeah. say. Yeah, like it's so say. bad. It's so yeah. homophobic. But there's and a weird. but there's a it's couple really moments bad. in it that are yeah. ju- like I had Chris never Farley, seen it. Before. Chris Farley rules the roost. I forgot he was in it as much as he was. Like when he's yelling yeah. the skunks out. I mean, oh my god, the they way, walked him moments. from that movie to the funeral. What about home, see, see, my, the one line I can really remember from that is. Here's your two dollars. Yeah, of course. Right. With the, and, yeah, with the yeah. <laughs> it's the Scarface scene, which just goes on for so long of them holding the fish, and them describing it. It, but it it doubles back again. It goes on too long, and then becomes funny again. It's yeah, yeah. It's almost worth it for that. But yeah, it's a weird one to revisit. And there's a bunch of mine that I I love that I kind of Beautiful Girls is actually a perfect example. It's a weird one to watch now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially as when you have children and yeah, like, different perspectives and yeah, it's interesting. But I always say to people, you know, the films can't change; it's physically impossible. So we change. So if you watch a movie that you used to love and then you don't like it anymore, well, that's good. You're growing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or and sometimes you can circle around too. I've I've gone oh, through totally. uh, like uh, love and hate uh, things along the way. But you know what does age amazingly is the music of a band from Boston oh, that was really popular in the eighties. <laughs> Oh, oh my god. god. And and you're not uh required to. You are asked politely as a guest on yours, mine and the truth, to come up with your uh top five songs by my favorite band in high school, Extreme. Scott. Okay, so I've never I don't I've never owned an album by Extreme. Um, what? Nope. <laughs> Uh, I was surprised at the songs. I, I there was a few I did recognize. So I listened to all their out. Al- I listened to the first four albums in their entirety Woo! this week at work. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's five. There's five albums. There's a newer okay. one. Okay. Well, yeah. I only listened up to that fourth one that came out like right when grunge was hitting. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Angry. <laughs> really angry. I would not recommend listening to that album, but I'm impressed you did. So I, so I, in no order, um, I, I got some of my favorite songs. That I, I mean, this is kind of painful, but um, Porno <laughs> Graffiti I liked. Woo, yep. Um, Rest in Peace. Mm-hmm. Now, Rest in Peace is one that I, I listened to and said, you know what, I, I know this. But I, yeah. I'd forgotten that I knew it. Yeah. Um, watching Waiting. Hmm. It's kind of an 80s ballad. Yeah, from big power ballad. Movie. Big, like, kind of, like... Um fits in with uh, of the time yeah well that's it. it sounded like an 80s ballad and i thought you know it has a nice melody now wholehearted i chose that's another one where as soon as i heard the opening i'm like oh i know this song but yeah. i didn't know yeah. it was them yeah and then of course i chose play with me because bill and ted yeah. i mean yeah it's great yeah. great that's so, all i asked hey, that's great i and like uh, like uh, what you've uh, touched on there are some that Pornography shows up a lot. I'm I'm surprised at how much that one shows. That was kind of a me going back to to listen. Thank thanks for doing that, Scott. Uh, me going back <laughs> and listening to that. Like I like of course it's the same sort of thing. Like wow, this is garbage. But that was a song that I never really liked when I was a kid. And going back to it, I'm like, ooh, this is loaded. This is packed. This is uh um uh this is uh, funky and it's got a lot of 
everything. Like they're excessive to a fault, but they were yeah. really good musicians. They were all, there well, were a lot of that, Berkeley School of Music guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I forget his name. No, no. He's a great yeah. guitar player. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, Rihanna's uh, music director for over a decade. Like toured with her. Would like cool. played with when uh, when um. Oh, who was it? Uh, what's his face? Rihanna and Kanye West and Paul McCartney played that four or five seconds at the Grammy Awards. Guess who oh, else yeah. was up on the stage with them? It's fucking Nuno. Because like cool. that's like he's just like he's keeping busy. He's doing his thing. And like it, like and that's the one thing I've learned by going back and, and looking at them is he he was something he and still is. Uh, yeah. So in spite of what whatever that was. And I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> Brad, as I said, this is Brad's third time on here, so he's had yeah. too much of a hard time uh, uh, nailing it down, and uh, I don't. Uh, I, 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 so we're gonna go with get the funk. He's out. A, no, no. I, I was gonna Last say that you've hour. actually got as we're yeah. running out of time. Tell me something running. I don't know. Help and run. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Their cover of Help is 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 a good one. Uh, yeah. Their cover of uh, uh, Strutter by Kiss. Uh, from the Kiss My Ass album is the highlight of that album, other than the Garth Brooks uh, Oh, I like song. that song. Uh, but uh, because they are, they were able to talk uh, Paul Stanley into joining them on on uh, on uh, vocals for parts of it, and it is, they just get it. I recommend that. If I could recommend, uh, if you're a Kiss fan, uh, and you know that album, do you know that? I have uh, listened to it many times. It's yeah. the one that has the... Uh, Toad the wet sprockets. Yeah, version. party. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Which party, was about, that is, you want to talk about being of the of the era? That kind of the slow version of of yeah. of acoustic ones was like so. It was so hot back then. But uh, yeah, I recommend the ska version of Detroit Rock City. Detroit Rock City by, by, uh, Boston. by Boston. Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, a couple of those, including that Garth Brooks "Hard Luck Woman," uh, which is interesting. Uh, but I recommend the, uh, the yeah that extreme one. That thank you, Scott. Thanks, Brad. Thank You'd you. actually name five. I was gonna, you know, I was gonna, I was hoping you would like, no, I actually did it, and I'd be like, oh, we're, you know what, we're out of time, <laughs> and then I was gonna. <laughs> but thanks, guys. We will do this again for sure. Whenever uh, uh, you know, Brad was talking about Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Is that still? I want to keep it. That's a little more recent, right? Uh, no, that would 2000... be pri- that 2006, I think, because yeah, it was okay. prior to. Is like, it still? That w- because I kind of want to, I want to lump it in with uh, like the the Pulp Fiction fallout of like Two Days in the Valley and all those other uh, things that were coming out around that time. Is that safe to say? Uh, it's a little later than that, but I think getting Shane Black in there, like, okay, to me when I think about you pitching it, it's the it's the guys that were kind of influenced by that era okay. as well. And Shane Black, if nothing else, kind of defined that era when you've got uh, Lethal Weapon and a lot of the other stuff that came out from there. I I was actually I'd love to if we can start beforehand if we could all throw a list of some of the movies that we we've yeah. been watching either before that or after that I was part- going to open with a curveball and go with uh, a film like I don't know if we have any sort of fondness for it, but we all know about a coworker who would always recommend the Spitfire Grill when we were at the Blockbuster <laughs> I've never seen it I've never seen it but there was this guy who I think was Christian an older guy would always want to say uh, I'd. Uh, Hey, Gone. If, if, if you're if you want to you, I, do you yourself a favor go out and make i want you to do you yourself a favor and go watch the spitfire grill that's what he would say as he was signing everyone up i was terrible at upselling by the way i remember Still am. yeah yeah sure yeah i have to downsell anyways thanks uh scotty uh thank you brad great to talk to both you guys again anything y'all want to add before we sign off no, that was awesome. Thanks, guys. It was yeah. great to see your faces again after all these years. 
Yeah. Yeah. I the one thing I'm going to say that is kind of the sad part of all of this movie's not streaming anywhere. And I don't know if you guys, as people who are fans, it's one of the things I find the most challenging is if you don't want to own a ton of physical media, some of these movies are just disappearing. Good point. Yeah. That's really that's true and sad. And I um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks for way to bring time. it down, McNeil. Yeah, we've done it a couple times. <laughs> it's been a roller coaster. See you guys. Thanks again, fellas. We'll love uh, you both. Talk to you soon. Bye. Shadows are falling And I've been here all day It's too hot to sleep And time is running away Feel like my soul has Turned into steel I've still got the scars at the Sunday night. There's not even room enough to be anywhere. It's not dark yet, but it's getting there. Wonder boy, what is the secret of your power? Funny that album by Tenacious D, probably coming around, coming out around the same time as, or at least close to, Wonder Boy's release date. So all that, all that, that era kind of blends together for me, and it's that era when I was. You know, just getting to know the two fellas, or, you know, we were really at our, at a young and having a great time. And like I said, I was a sponge for uh, film, and these were a couple of guys there who were providing and for, you know, watching alongside with me. And so that was awesome to have them back. First of many episodes of Staff Picks. Thank you to Scott. Thank you to Brad. As for the future of Yours, Mind, the Truth, I've mentioned the prequels before. Don't worry, they're still coming. I've got my. My episode two guy and my episode three guy are waiting. They're like, oh, just tell me when. Just tell me when we'll make this happen. I'm just waiting on my episode one gal. And I'm not going to pressure her. And, you know, she's got life going on. And uh, when the time comes and when she's ready to do it, we'll do it. So that might that might show up here shortly. It might not. Um, I do have, like, kind of a season two wrap-up planned for yours, mine, and the truth. And that's going to be tied to the project that I had mentioned at the beginning of today's show, on Mystery Titans Theater, that's Who's Zoom and Who on YouTube and and Twitch, um, where we've been watching those cards leading up to WrestleMania three. So I'm gonna have all the guests. It's gonna be where we bring everybody on, like kind of for two matches at a time to actually go over the WrestleMania three card in a big podcast extravaganza. Sends off for season two here on Yours, Mine, and the Truth. Uh, probably do that sometime before the end of the new year. Um, if not, there might be another episode before then, as I said, prequel related or not, we will see. There's definitely another, uh, yours, mine, the truth 
coming down the pipe because I will wrap up this season uh, in a proper way. And that's kind of what we have planned. In the meantime, yeah, look for me on subscribe on YouTube, for goodness sake, youtube.com slash C slash Jarvis washing machine or watch us live on Twitch, and you can subscribe on Twitch as well. That's twitch.tv slash Jarvis Washing Machine. All of that's one word. Um, that's Mystery Titans Theater. Uh, didn't, I, I didn't do as much research as I normally do for today's episode of Yours, Mind, the Truth, but they generally do require research and some kind of work. And I love you guys for for your responses and stuff and, uh, and your, your, the people who keep listening. And it's great that you do, but I'll tell you what, that Mystery Titans Theater requires zero work. I get wrecked while we watch this stuff, and it's a blast, and we laugh our asses off. And that, and I get, I'm telling you right now, I get a bigger response from that than any any sort of uh, project, COVID-related or otherwise, than I've done in the last five years. So that's great. So I'm t- I tell you guys, I, I, I'm selling the heck out of it, because I'm still on a high from the last, it's two, it's two days later since I recorded with Max, and and Zubin and Johnny, and it's such a good time, you guys. So please join us uh, the next Saturday. And otherwise, uh, keep listening to those podcasts I mentioned here on the Palm Broadcast Network, and uh, keep listening to us here at Yours, Mind the Truth. Uh, let me know if you have some ideas, or if you want to join me for a future episode. Huh, that'd be great. In the meantime, stay safe, you guys. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.